Today on the Fozcast, we are talking to Wrexham superstar Paul Mullen. We spoke about those famous fuck the Tories football boots, those wild trips to Las Vegas at the end of the season when they got promoted, and also what it feels like to puncture a lung and fracture three of your ribs in a football match, nearly, nearly dying. That may be over-exaggerating a little bit, but it's kind of true. Uh, and what could go wrong, eh, when you get your two best mates out to help you recover in Los Angeles? Up the Fozcast. <laughs> Moles, welcome to the podcast, my mate. Uh, I'm absolutely buzzing. Wrexham are flying. They finally got a proper goalkeeper and they are on the way up. The season's going well for them. But for you personally, right, I want to take you back to the start of the season, right? In particular, the Snapdragon Stadium. It was pre-season friendly. America, Manchester United. Talk to me about that day, mate. The snap's about right. Yeah, it, you're not wrong. Yeah. No, it was mental, wasn't it? It was obviously an unbelievable trip that we were having at the yeah. time. And then... 10 minutes into what was actually going quite well in the game. Is that, Just, is that all it was? 10 minutes yeah. as well? 10 minutes, quick start on it. Yeah, we were doing first well. First time I got to running behind, I was yeah. in. And then, sure enough, goalkeeper comes out of nowhere, RKO, we'll see you later. What do you, what do you remember? Do you actually remember, like, you turning or anything like that? Oh, I remember every bit of it. Like, I knew beforehand, I was literally checking my shoulder, waiting for Johnny Evans to step towards me. Yeah. I just thought, he's gone to play it, and as soon as he did, I thought, I'm in, I'm in. And then... Literally, I went. I looked, and the keeper stepped back first off. As of us, we thought he isn't coming. Just to take a touch and score. Yeah. And literally, the last second, as I've gone to touch the ball, I've just seen him coming. But my arms already up, and you're vulnerable at that point. And I couldn't do nothing about it. <sighs> couldn't brace or nothing. It was just whack. And it was a collision. punctured lung. Was that yeah. right? Yeah. Foot literally got to the hospital. Scans, all sorts. Just every single person in the hospital, I think, had come running in. And it was. X-ray, punctured lung, four broken ribs. Yeah. And I was just like, well, and then I was like, well, I'm not, they were like, oh, it's not too long, hopefully on a recovery time. And so I was like, I don't really care, to be honest. Like, when can I fly home? Like, Because at that point, we'd been there a long time. Yeah, and it yeah, felt yeah. like it had been so long, especially with the time difference and stuff, and sleep-wise. I was looking forward to going home. Like, it was near the end after that game. I think we had, like, two days left, and then we'd have been on our way home. So I was, I just said, like, when can I fly home? Like, can I go now? Like, basically, and they were like, No. <laughs> Won't be at least for two weeks. Could be even longer. I was like, you didn't miss, miss too much because it was in the, um, the Philadelphia game that got rained off. Yeah, well, that, like that I said, was it, wasn't there, it? I think there was about three or four days max left of the trip. Yeah. It was a two and a half week trip, basically. Mad. I just want to, I just want to talk about like, the actual incident and the injury because I remember walking over, and it was taking so long. And Moses, Moses, one of these lads anyway, who who won't ever really stay down. Do you know what I mean? You won't, well, you won't no, take the mic. You you kind of just get up. Honest, you yeah. might. Get up. Try to put it on a little bit of first because you have to. That's just <laughs> the way it is. Everyone else does it to you. But usually I get volleyed everywhere. And yeah. I mean, I'll just jump up as long as if I can. Cause but you, you knew on. this but was a bit different though, didn't you? Oh, instantly. Your, uh, your lips were the same colour as your jacket you got on oh, now. <laughs> I think, at the, seriously, at one moment I looked up and Elliot was near crying over me. Joking. And he waving to Kevin like frantically. But obviously at that point I already knew I couldn't breathe. But I started to relax thinking, oh, well, I've just winded. Like, it'll go now. And I was like, oh. Like a minute, minute and a half later, still haven't took a breath here. Like, <laughs> trying to breathe in and just couldn't. And seen him above me, and then obviously after it, everyone's telling me your lips were blue as any. Yeah, Elliot, Elliot was in a bad way afterwards. Colour drained out here and everything. And I was like, Jesus, like. But in that moment, I actually thought, oh, well, you can't breathe, so don't try. Like you've, and then that me relaxing in that moment probably helped matters, and obviously the oxygen they put on. Yeah, because that was big news. Obviously, oh, you guys were out, out in the States, but when we woke up in the morning over it, it was it was big news. There was obviously the injury being so close to the start of the season, but then also f the, the manager, Phil Parkinson, was 
<laughs> was, Phil I think, what's probably fair to say, not happy. <laughs> Phil was not happy, was he? Well, to be fair, I think the lad said he didn't speak for the rest of the game, even after it, <laughs> until he did, I was all right. But it was mad, it was one of those things, obviously. I was awake the whole time, even when I went to hospital, you can't sleep, I've got oxygen strapped all around me and everything, so I just didn't sleep a wink, and I was literally seeing it come through on my phone, it was all over Sky Sports and stuff, and then obviously the way it all went down didn't come out nice, but I suppose it's not going to, obviously it's a friendly, and then the instant happens, and as much as stuff like that happens in football, I think from the gaffer's point of view, on my point of view at the time, it was just like reckless and stupid more than anything. He didn't mean to do it. That's yeah. not what we were saying. It was just like, why? Like, even if you got to the ball, what was you going to do with it? Like, it was just one of those things. And I think the gaffer was obviously just frustrated and probably pissed off. You know, yeah. you go on them tours, and the last thing you want is injuries. And, and that's probably the gaffer's biggest worry when you get there. And yeah. then for it to happen in the circumstance like that, not even a muscle injury, I think that was probably more what pissed him off. And then when someone sticks a a microphone and you know it's after the full-time whistle you're going to get an emotional oh, reaction was fuming yeah he gave it he gave it full barrel straight away basically calling the goalie out nathan bishop was a goalkeeper by the way um and i felt a little bit for him to be fair don't go wrong it was a, it was a reckless challenge and it, it sh he should have got sent off by the way how oh, he did that was the funniest bit <laughs> i remember watching it back thinking how's he got away with that how one? has he got away with that and Impossible. i remember speaking to him afterwards and he was he was good and he was like listen can you, can you just say to him like i'm so so sorry but um, he messaged me to be fair oh did he yeah, really he messaged yeah. me a couple of Fair times was, uh, obviously it was nothing he could do yeah. after it obviously looking back he'd probably look at the same thing and think why did they do that or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that's just the way it is but he messaged me and everything and sent some flowers to the house actually to me oh, which did he? Is, uh, Fair dues. quite a nice touch but obviously didn't change the fact that I had to stay on my own for two weeks but thanks to him anyway I got a two well, let's talk about that because there's, there's, there's probably worse places in the world to have a bit of recovery what was the recovery like? Can I, before we talk about the recovery, by the way, can we? Can I just tell my side of the story from this? Because the very next day, right? So obviously we played Manchester United that night. Um, I think we won two one in the end, didn't we? I remember uh, seeing Elliot score on the cameras yeah, as yeah. I'm in the back of the ambulance to it like that <laughs> we with oxygen strapped around me. Um, but so we did win. We won. We won two one. Um, by the way, the goalie Nathan Bishop got took off at half time, and the other goalie came on, and he just got booed for the whole of the second half. They just thought it was the same goalie. <laughs> by the way, they were just giving him palters. Anyway, the next day, right, we all had this massive um, like golf day book, didn't we? Mm. It was at the TaylorMade, the Kingdom. Uh, we were all going to go get shown around the facility, hit some golf balls, have a nice time. Everybody wakes up obviously the next day and the first thing on all of our minds is how's Moles? So everybody's asking the doctors, the physios, how is he? And he's like, well, yeah, he's in hospital. He's okay. He's done this. He's done that. He's going to be out for a while. He's going to have to stay out there. And we were like, ah, oh, we'll just pass our, pass our best wishes on. We've, turned, we've gone off to the golf thing, having a lovely time. Halfway through it, Paul Mullin walks in with the doctor, just bowling around. He's what, got, the he's got a punctured yeah. lung, four fractured whatevers, and he's just bowling around, mate, having a nice time. You weren't ripping ridiculous. your driver, though, were you? No, they wouldn't let me have a goal. <laughs> but to be fair, the actual reason I had to do that is uh, Kev Mulholland, the physio, was just like desperate to go this Taylor made place. He's a golf like, Anything for free, he'll yeah. have it. But we had a free day out to Taylor made, so he was there. But I knew. I couldn't be left on my own, obviously, because of this. But I knew if I said, like, I'm going to bed, they haven't slept, then he had to basically stay with me. He was the only one. And then I was sort of like, oh, I'm not going to sleep anyway. I'd been on oxygen all night, so then that keeps you awake. It's like in Vegas, yeah, you've yeah, got the yeah. oxygen, you can't sleep. And like, I just thought, you know what, I'll just go. And literally halfway there, we went over like a pothole in the road. Oof. Oh, my God. It was, I'd absolutely, oh, the pain was like, oh. He was like, you know, I said, yes, fine, like, just go. But that's the only reason I went, really. Obviously, I wanted to just go and lie in bed or lie by the pool or something. But I thought, you know what, best just go for him. He got us um, 
His clubs didn't even call me either. He hasn't got any. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> they they sorted everybody out with free clubs. Apparently, they sorted everybody out with free clubs, and it hasn't really materialised well, that way. Didn't they arrive this week? No, then, to be fair, they've, did. Got, they've got most of ours to us now. But um, it's happened. Come. He's a scratch golfer as well, so <laughs> yeah. he's going to be fuming with it. Isn't he? And well. don't get me wrong, but like Mools wasn't like trying to smash any golf clubs or anything like that. Do you remember? He's walking around <laughs> stiff as a board. I was literally but, just sat or walking around, as he says, just watching the lads, like so envious. Like I'd look forward to the day as well for ages, but. I just had to go, to be honest. What would I have done anyway? The only sat in the room, bored, looking. Yeah, looking you can't sit still. You might as well just go up. And so, get so, out. so, what? How long did you have to stay out for then in uh, in LA afterwards? Two weeks, exactly two weeks. Why? Why was that? They said basically that if I got on a plane, the chance of me lung expanding with the pressure, the pressure, basically yeah. with the already having a pop in it, it would just explode basically and I'd probably die. Oh, so brilliant! Like, oh, right, decent. Yeah, like, stay out there because obviously me being me at first, I'm like. Yeah, all right. Like on my phone, thinking, yeah, I'll just search this. I might just jump on a flight and not tell them. But then when they said that, I was like, well, it looks like I'll just have to swallow it. Serious business, yeah. Which so, was... so what did you get up to? So, if you're out there for two weeks, surely you tell me at least you had a good time. Well, at first we were in San Diego, obviously where it happened, and then it was taking a bit of time to try and get. But obviously, we was in the hotel anyway, which was lovely, and it was taking a bit of time to get things sorted. So we were just in San Diego, me, my two best mates. Yeah. Um, did they, they fly? Were they already out there, or did they, they fly? They were out there. Um, they were in LA for the LA game, and then they drove up to San Diego, yeah. and they were scheduled to go back like two days after the game or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then obviously I got injured, and they were like, "We're not going." So what are your oh, mates doing at this point? Are your mates, mates ringing in work, going, "I'm not very well here." Well, it was quite mad because I was sat in the hospital bed, obviously a big private hospital, like unbelievable place as a hospital, as far as unbelievable hospitals go. Like, <laughs> and like my two mates just bowl into the room where I am. I'm like, what, what the fuck? How did you get in here? Like, do you know what I mean? They're like, oh, I just spoke to the fella on the door. He let us in. But then from that moment, there, I'm like, just you just go on whatever I sort of out. They're like, no, like we'll just stay. Like, so they've rang him work and just said, look, Paul's injured. Like, you knew why we were here, and that was it. They just weren't going anywhere. So that helped me to be fair, though, because. Yeah. The club was saying like we'll fly your family or whatever out with you and with my son and that it just wouldn't work and obviously my partner wanted to come but with him it wouldn't have been possible and then everyone else mum brother sister dad everyone wants to come i was like no it's okay my two mates are here yeah, so it's I'm two fine. weeks we're fine it settled everyone because they were there so it was actually perfect but from that weekend obviously the first night i think i just went out and got a meal and tried to enjoy a bit of san diego even though it was killing me yeah we went out the next night for a meal because we had nothing else to do and we just chipped. went to see actually went to La Jolla to see all the seals and that nah, which was, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, just yeah. weird start chasing people up the beach and that which was quite funny but then on the Saturday we went to LA and by that point I had my sulk of having to stay was over and I was like you know what two weeks in LA with your two best mates from school oh. was never going to happen in, ever in my life from this point on and I just thought you know I might as well try and enjoy it as best I can and as you know, the time difference at three o'clock in the afternoon there, everyone's asleep here. So it was like, I was just are you at least allowed to have like a beer or something? Do you know what I mean? I know you've got like a punctured lung and all that kind of stuff. But if you know, so you knew that once you'd done your, your injury, you were out for the best part of three months, four mm. months, was it? So you are, surely you're allowed a beer or something, yeah? Yeah, it was fine. Like I could have done what I wanted really. Yeah, I was yeah. watching, but I didn't really feel like it at yeah. that point. Are you still stiff as a board as yeah, well? Yeah, it's still killing me. Yeah, okay. But like, obviously... The night I'd done it, well, the night after I'd done it in San Diego, I'd lost my head and was like, I'm just having a few drinks or whatever. <laughs> but, like, the bartender, like, I think he gave me, like, not a shot of tequila, like, it was in a shot glass, so it looked, but it was probably a pint. And next minute I was throwing it up because I don't really drink. Oh, that's going to work. Then, no, but I didn't feel it at the time, <sighs> obviously. And Macha, my roommate's, like, what do you do? That must be killing you. And I remember saying to him, 
can't feel nothing. And I woke up the next day, I was like, oh my God, you were dear. <laughs> so from that point, I didn't really, have, I didn't have a drink enough. Just have one beer, maybe steady so and even, sensible. That's what I mean. So just that one night of even having like literally, what was it, probably three beers and two shots of tequila or whatever, I was sick. So I was like, because I don't drink. So then after that, I was like, tomorrow I might as well just enjoy the time, but without getting to yeah, that point, because yeah, yeah. they'll just make it 10 times worse. And well, mate, we, we um, like I said, we felt sorry for you for the first day, for the second day, and then we found out that you were going to be staying there for two weeks, <laughs> and straight away all the lads were like, you scumbag. I'd take that. You sc- <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have taken that injury right now is what I'd have taken. <laughs> I remember when I met you in Philly, and um, we were chatting, and I was going, oh, so Paul's uh, st- sticking out for a couple of weeks. Oh, that's unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, but nightmare. Poor, poor guy. Could be worse places well, to I, go. To be fair, at, at first it was devastating. I did yeah. just want to go home. But then literally after two days, I got my head around. I was like, well, you're not going, just accepting. And then that's when I seen as a holiday with my mates. And honestly, we'd get up and we rented the car. We'd just ball around LA, go to all the different beaches. Ended up watching a surf, uh, world surfing competition. Decent. Just sitting on the beach, hunting the beach, I think it was. We went to that two days. Um, ended up going to the baseball games, obviously. The uh, Hollywood owners and... Humphrey yeah. managed to sort us out so we ended up sitting literally right next to the dugouts watching the baseball and LAFC went to their game they looked after his class as well and it was actually mental times and then the Saturday before we come home I took my mates for a night out I was like right we'll go out for a bit and got a nice meal in a restaurant and the lad who sourced the restaurant for me sorted us the uh, like a bar come not a nightclub really it was more like a fancy bar next yeah. door so on the way in we're walking in I turn the corner and there's like flashes everywhere so like I'm looking behind me thinking oh, who must be walking in here and my mates are then laughing at me for doing that because it was at me which was hilarious it was, a, it was for you yeah there's paparazzi outside this club taking pictures at me I was like for fuck's sake this is mental in the middle of LA well Beverly Hills we was just crazy and then on the way out the same like literally I walked out the door my mates had gone to get the car I come out the front door walking down the street and there's paparazzi running after me with cameras and that, like shouting questions up to me, like, oh, how come you refuse to stay with the owner and all that? Obviously, not knowing that my two mates are with me, that's obviously why. Yeah. But like, they probably thought I was going to get in some big souped up Lamborghini or something, and there's me just going to jump in a Mitsubishi in the middle of the road. My two best mates sat in it, just screech off down the street, just the normalest car ever. Now wrong with Mitsubishi. That a fraud right? or what? It was class. Honestly, that car got us around everywhere. Santa Monica <laughs> Beach, all sorts. But that was the maddest bit, like paparazzi for one thing, but then walking along uh, Santa Monica Pier with the rides and then people just walking past shouting me, like, I hope your injuries heals quick. Crazy, like, isn't it? What's going on here? Like, were, you, were you shocked with the level of sort of love that Wrexham got when we were out there? Yeah, it was mental, especially in North, well, first night North Carolina. I think yeah. there was a few of us walking down the street and someone winds the window down, shouts Super Paul Moore. I was like, Bonkers, that one of my mates realised obviously it's not and then the next night I think it was or two days later we were playing Chelsea it's obviously Raheem Sterling Fernandez, like players who play at the top do you know what I mean and they announced the teams before the game and the next minute shout my name and the whole stadium just erupts and I'm like, Crazy, isn't like it? I was mental these players have played in World Cups and won World Cups and all sorts and then they shout my name and I guess the biggest cheer of the night I was like this is mental like I didn't expect it, but I suppose when the owners used to say to us, you don't understand, yeah. we didn't. We didn't understand, we did we? I didn't None of us. I thought nobody would have a scooby I was, but you literally turn up and there's 55,000 at the game and you all stand up screaming when they announce your name. I was like, oh, that was a bit weird. Like, Mate, and it was half and half as well, weren't it? Yeah. It was Chelsea, half Chelsea, half Wrexham fans, genuinely. It was half and half. It was, it was, mental, it was... like the stadium was just literally covered with Wrexham fans, like considering it was Chelsea as well. Like, yeah. It weren't like we were playing just anyone. Chelsea, one of the biggest teams in the world, and then we turn up in the stadium, split with half support. I was like, this is mental, but 
just post that's just power of documentary isn't it? it's mad isn't it <laughs> right we're we're here at your uh, your book launch tonight by the way yeah. we're going to talk about your book in a minute i want to um i want to get into it because it's an interesting read to be honest with you mate it's really really nice actually it talks about your family a lot we can't we can't move on though without talking a bit about last season and about how how much this meant to everybody is just getting over the line last season because um like i said i'll, I'll play football for 20 years and i think last year what we achieved was just Honestly, it's right up there, mate. It is right up there. So I wanted to get your perspective of it on how much that meant, just getting out of that National League last year. It was obviously what I'd chased for the whole time I've been here. So it was two years at that point. And yeah. even then, after doing so well, it was still going down to the last, well, two games of the season, which was obviously one of those things. It's daunting looking back on it, but at the time I loved it. I love playing and the pressure of it. And you see the documentary, the latest episode that's just come out. And yeah. The man who's emotional, he's welling up crying at the start of the episode of what it means to him, but we knew that. Yeah. We're playing, that that's what it meant to people, and people might think you say that willy-nilly, well, look at the documentary, that's what it meant to them, and to give them that enjoyment and the excitement and the pure relief, like to see it on the faces when we did actually get over the line on the pitch in the last, obviously, second-to-last game, and everyone runs on like it was special, and I think... Everyone probably says his throwaway comments when you're at every club, you know, it's a special achievement, blah, blah. But, like, obviously people expect us to get out the league, but that brings more pressure. Like, yeah. it doesn't make it easier. Like, because you're expected to, it doesn't make it easier. It probably makes it harder at times. And we obviously managed to do it at that point. And for me, that was probably what I was one of the proudest things I've done in football was be able to get us help get us over the line last season because for two years of my life, it's always was on my mind. Well, it was constantly. the season before, wasn't it, Paul, where you'd. Lost the player final, lost the FA vase, was it? Um, FA trophy Tro- final FA trophy, and sorry. The, um, yeah. the playoff semis yeah. against yeah. Grimsby. I think we'd lost one at home all year, which was when we went down to 10 men against Jovel, and then we had Grimsby at home. Scored four and sadly conceded five, <laughs> which was the most mental game ever, but that was probably the story yeah. of us. That's just the way it was, and I think that's why it was so tense last year is because of what's happened in years yeah, before. Yeah. and. It made it a lot more difficult for us at times because you could sense when we were playing sometimes the nervousness between the fans. But oh, what I would say about that Bowden Wood game, they score. Yeah. And there have been games before when it was nil-nil, like over, for example, and the crowd got going a bit flat. You can feel them getting edgy with that game. Bowden Wood scored and it was like, it, no. Yeah, right. it helped us that, didn't it? And the fans yeah. lift, literally. You look around as soon as the game kicks back off and everyone stood, stands up around the stadium singing and I genuinely do think that helps us. Like it yeah. when, The um, Bowden Wood one was interesting. I was there and it was... It, it didn't phase anybody. Whereas no. you rewind what f- a few games earlier, that Notts County one was, it was awful to watch, let alone play. Genuinely, it was like, like a roller coaster. What, what were you like in that Notts County game? What were, does it does it ever change for you as a striker? Does it ever change? Do you ever have down moments or moments where you get to think about it or anything? After Saturday, when you had the crossbar twice, and you yeah, that, that, that like must that be annoying. Like, yeah, um, but no, that game was like. We'd lost on the Friday against Halifax, yeah. which was awful, just horrendous. Awful. Like, but I remember genuinely sat in the changing room after that game, and in my head I was like, "Nah, this ain't happening now." Like Monday, like I was so on it, I couldn't sleep for days. I couldn't sleep waiting for the game, and I was actually so excited for it. No nerves or nothing. I believed in all the lads. So I was like, "Right, we're gonna do this." And thankfully, I think I say it in there. Literally, they get a penalty last kick of the game after everything's gone so well. I'd, built it up myself to do well in the game scoreboard set to up I was thinking yes like I've done what I promised myself I'd do this game and then we can see the penalty it was oh my god Jesus and then he manages to pull off that save and just that, that moment when the whistle went after that I still looked at that at the time and thought why has he kicked it off for the corner yeah 
Do you know, know you say? Put it out for a throw yeah. or something. What, what are you doing? We kicked it out for the corner. I don't even know what it was. But at the time, I remember, like, because I faced the other way. Yeah. And I, I literally heard them shout as you saved it. So I turned around to see what was happening. And we've kicked it out for the corner. And I'm running back. <laughs> no. Why have you done that? No. Like, so then I ended up sprinting back. But when that whistle went, I think it was relief. But we also said, walking around the pitch, obviously everyone at that moment was like, that's it, like, you, they've gone up and that. But I remember us two were walking around the pitch at the end and we were like, no, this ain't over. Yeah. I said to their manager, he came over, like, congratulations, like, you were brilliant, well played. And I said, look, I've seen some of the interviews before and this ain't over, like, we know there's still a lot to go here, like, four games left, anything can happen, like, don't think we're well, going to stop. Well, you went and drew like, it, Barnet away, Barnet away the next game, we went yeah, down to 10 men. that day. Sorry? He turned up that day, didn't he? Yeah, you were busy, were right. you? Yeah, you were busy. <laughs> <laughs> he put his hands in his gloves. <laughs> I love it. He saved us a few times, to be fair, that day. We went down to 10 and they were just peppering the box. And literally, it was so nice. Sometimes I was just seeing them come out and catch Oh, it was horrible. Get a really tough match over. Maybe they fell in the net, tipping one over. But that, that game, actually, now looking back, was so important to just get out there at a point. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, Ben? Because you, you said at the end, like, towards the running last season, you said... Obviously, the standard of the Premier League is better, right, overall. Yeah. But you said you can see it being almost more difficult for a goalkeeper in, in that league. Because oh, I remember after that Barnet game, you said it was one of the hardest games you played in because it was just relentless. Yeah. The ball coming into the box. Relentless. Imagine, imagine like Ben Tozer has got a world-class thrower, hasn't he? Mm. Every single team in that league has got a world-class thrower of a ball. But then they've got a six-foot-five striker and then a six-foot-five defender smart. and a six-foot-five midfielder. I find that sometimes so when you play against better players, you predict what they're going to do you sort of know what yeah, they're trained okay. to do yeah, yeah. so I can sort of if I do this he is going to do this like regardless of what happens if you get him once he's still going to do it the next time because that's how they're trained to do it whereas sometimes when like we were in the National League and stuff like you'd sometimes play and you'd go to run somewhere and why has he stood there if I'd have just stood still like I was one on one like I, I don't know but then sometimes it makes the game harder because like it's more unorthodox so it is sometimes harder, even for outfield players. Probably because sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? At that level, and that's no, that's no disrespect, but they haven't been coached technically or tactically as as much as the other, as as better players or better teams. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is that or even they're used to the other teams doing a certain thing? Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of players and we work on a lot of things, so like we might do it differently, but they're like already there anticipating what could be happening. Like, and then they have an unbelievable game against, and you walk off the pitch and you think. I've had to just stood still, like, on this certain instance when I'm you in. watch your back, I'm, I'm in. like, I'm in one-on-one, on one. I just got four. Well, they've had four chances anyway, but at the time, you don't see it. And then they yeah. come off the pitch and they've had a worldy game and stuff, and you're like, fair play. Like, whether that's just me being bad or them being good, or, as I say, them being unorthodox, then sometimes changes the game and makes it harder for you to play. Like. Yeah, damn right. I think we'd, we've got to say massive sort of well done to Notts County as well. And I think everybody was buzzing that they got promoted yeah. in the end, weren't they? Because they, they, they were just as big a part of the story as anything, wasn't they? It was unbelievable. That game, like, the standard of that game oh, was actually frightening, frightening wasn't it? it? Yeah. Like if I've watched, probably watched it back twice just to watch the game. It's yeah. enjoyable watching it. Forget I'm in it. Just oh, no. enjoy watching it. But they were frightening. I've never, I've year. never played against a team who plays higher line as that before. No, never have I. It was crazy. It, it was, was quite mental. First half was frustrating with some of the um, the offside calls. Some of the calls, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was. It was it quite was mad because we I knew we were onside at the time. So then in the end, in the second half, you can actually see it on the goals. I literally go and start like five yards deeper because I'm like, you cannot yeah. give it now. Yeah, like, yeah. I have to do something because you will just keep giving it, which was credit to them. They work on it and they get the decisions for it because right. it makes it look like you're offside. But I think in that moment, the second half especially, we just literally started a little bit deeper and we knew we could get in. And I actually said to Owen O'Connor at time, like they're the high you could chip it over them and run after it and Kick get it yourself. Yeah, you could, half yeah. as a joke. Yeah. 
and genuinely in the second half, he oh, chips he it over and runs yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. um, that's what he said to time. It was unbelievable. The one he cut back for you, weren't it? Yeah. I couldn't believe it when he did that. I can't remember what goal it was now. I think it was the one he cut back. I think it was the last one for Elliot. He crosses yeah. it and then they clear it. I stop him, pass it to Elliot. That was like, unbelievable. I said it to him half as a joke, but like he know, played his own through ball. Yeah, yeah. Out on the wing, it was like he turned himself. into <laughs> like prime Maradona or something. It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> like to be fair, after the game, we were like, I can't believe they done that. But then obviously they done it all year and it worked for them. So it's what's still working yeah. out for them. So it's obviously a great way way for them to play. But just for us, I think it was a bad way to play against us for that game in particular yeah. especially yeah. the way we were going to chase absolutely everything down like not wrong we but what about the final whistle then I mean it was nuts that's which why one you, nuts County sorry Borehamwood yeah Borehamwood that's Wood, why yeah. you play football right because yeah. you know your front cover of your book right it kind of says it all that was the kind of I guess the iconic picture which will be remembered forever is you kind of standing there with 10 11,000 people uh, going it mad just, it was mental I think I was actually grateful the gaffer took me off. I think I said to a few yeah. lads before the game, or like if we did win it, like I hope I can get off the pitch quick. Like I had anxiety, just that many people like yeah, surrounding yeah, yeah. me. Like, I don't like it. I tend to try and just shy away. And obviously at the end, it was sort of empty by the where the dugouts were. So I ran on with the gaffer and all the lads and stuff. Next minute, big rider physio just picked me up. He's like, stay there, I've got you and stuff. So then I see me two best mates and I'm trying to get down. He's like, just fucking stay there. I'm back into my best mates. Let me go. I'm going to like me, me uh, missus and my mum. Let me go. And that, that's how I ended up in the crowd, just trying to escape so many people. I don't like being in that situation. So then when I got there and I seen all my family, I literally just stood up just to see where everyone was, yeah, just to yeah. see the occasion and take it in. And then obviously that picture, which is incredible, got took. It's actually quite mad because when we went up with um, when I was at Cambridge, we ended up standing on top of a turnstile because it was COVID. Yeah. So all the fans were outside and mad enough, there's flares and everything everywhere. And it's a picture like that of me stood on top of a turnstile. Like another one, like it's just weird. But I didn't even, obviously, I didn't mean for any of that to happen. Ah, it's lovely though, isn't it? It's ranted. lovely. It's incredible. Like, that was, the, I remember the couple of days afterwards, like that picture was the first one we saw with all the crowd and everybody was like, mental. that is some picture that is, I by didn't the way. Even, like, I just literally ran there to get out yeah. the way of all the people and then the next minute, it was just, that picture comes on. It was like, like when you did the videos vlog. and things from yeah. that angle. Yeah, I was yeah. like, Jesus, I actually probably had the best view of all of that. Yeah, damn right to. as well, yeah. I'll have to try that again, hopefully. Um, you mentioned Cambridge Air quickly. Um, obviously off, it was off the back of the Cambridge success um, scored how many goals was it 30 something in a season um, is this true that I heard he got a stand named after him an actual stand named after you after one season <laughs> this is incredible um, I love this right and then you get the, you get the opportunity so you've, you've got promoted you're going up to league one and then the opportunity comes to sign for Wrexham two leagues below at that moment in time, is that a is that a genuine like wow? I'm going to have to assess this. This isn't as simple as just a simple football move here. I have to I have to look at the bigger bigger picture. Here. Yeah, it was mad because I went to Cambridge with the ambition to do what I done. Like yeah. I set that out as my target before I went there. They offered me two years. I said no. I want to sign one year. If it goes well, then I'm going to. Wow, that's, that's back home you don't get many kid. people that do and that. If it know. doesn't go too well at that moment in time after COVID and everything, and in the like in my book, it'll say all, all about what happened before. And I was like, if it doesn't go well, then you know what that could be. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna be away from my child and my partner and my family for football. Like, if it's yeah. not enjoyable anymore. But like that year went exactly how I wanted it to. It was phenomenal, and it was down to the manager. He just had absolute faith in me and trust in, you know, even as a goalkeeper, if you've got someone that's trusting, you never mind your manager. Mm. makes a world of difference. And I literally just went out and gave me all from every week. And I'd probably, well, I did have the best year in my career to date there. It was 
one of the seasons I had probably enjoyed the most because it was really, something yeah. when you go into a season you're like I can do this I've yeah. said it all along if I play if I have trust the manager I can go and deliver and I was able to do that for him but it was class to go there obviously I broke their record for most goals in the season he ended up breaking the record for the most goals in League 2 season and while I was there got the stand named after me and stuff and then at that point when it comes to the end of my contract I was didn't want to leave yeah. so obviously you found somewhere finally like and but obviously with the family being back here I'll be being autistic and things it was difficult and going into the summer I was like I don't really know what I want to do and I asked them for a little bit more money to obviously Cambridge is a cheap place to live to be able to bring the family down I wasn't going to be away from them again and commit to it and things and obviously it's not their fault but it, they just couldn't do it which is fine enough that's football and yeah. then at that point obviously a lot of clubs have been interested in things after a good season but when Wrexham rang at first I was like nah, don't really think so like it's not what I, I wanted to achieve from what I thought I would have yeah. doing a good season at Cambridge and things but then I obviously went and spoke to the gaffer, uh, met him at Carbon Park and we had a chat and even still I left there, I was like, would like to play for him, nice fella, yeah. like, could really see myself playing for him but I'm just not sure at Wrexham type of thing and then that night I was sat in my mum's garden, we'd moved into there for a week while the house was getting renovated and um, Rob McElhenney rings me, but comes up on my phone like plus whatever, Beverly Hills, I was like, oh Jesus, so I answered the phone and um, he literally just outlined every single bit of what he, th- what he thought Wrexham could achieve and how they were going to do it, how we'd get there. Um, they're still not, obviously, where they want to get to is the very top, but you, that can take many, many years. Yeah. And he just said they wanted to be remembered for something in years to come, for giving a town, a community, something, and every single promise he made me in there, it wasn't just, it wasn't about some promises about me, it was about the club and the whole community. They've stuck to every single one of them as owners. And I think from that call was the moment I was like, Do you know what? It's like something I'd be excited about every single day and genuinely in that call he didn't mention a documentary or anything like that like that people always ask was that part of your decision it's the furthest thing from me if possible but he didn't mention it and then the day I come to sign I was signing the contracts and there's Disney cameras in my face that was the first you knew said, of it like, what's that for well, that's the first time I found out when I was signing the contract I was like what's that for you're like oh like Disney there's a documentary like you've just signed the form to say yeah. you can I was like alright Jesus okay got it whatever didn't think anything of it but turned out up to now to be the best thing I've ever done uh, just about the owners quickly right because I get asked this so many times everybody always say are they, are they genuinely like what it's you see on sometimes the TV sometimes just feel like replying saying no they're not yeah, yeah, just they're to see the face they're absolute dickheads because that's what they want yeah, but of course like, you actually do. can't lie they're just like the nicest people ever that, it's literally so them isn't it so when what you, you see I always say to people join you watch them acting and they're in a movie well, that's not them acting. That's probably why they're so good at it. Yeah, it's, but that's not them acting. It's natural. That's them it as a person. So, like, I hadn't watched Deadpool, like, for years. And then, obviously, when I signed and stuff, like, I don't really watch films because I don't have time. But then I watched it, and I remember sitting there, and I turned to my partner, and I was like, oh my God, like, he's not actually acting here. This, <laughs> good, this film's incredible, <laughs> but that's just him. Like, just the quirkiness, like, so yeah. funny, like, just so down to earth and that's just them. He's getting like, paid 20 up. mil to do this, yeah, and he's just doing him, him being himself, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was probably better that Rob rang you because in your book you said that actually you'd watched um, Always Sunny yeah, rather than the few Ryan's... Them, I, I knew him as Mac, not Rob yeah, McElhenney. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't actually know them both as Rob McElhenney and uh, to be honest, Ryan Reynolds, I didn't know. I knew he was an actor, but I didn't yeah, know what yeah, films yeah, he'd yeah. been in. I couldn't tell anyone. I said it to me, Mrs. Like, oh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds are the owners. And she was like, 
what? Like, really? Like, she's into films and that? I was like, yeah, like, what, what's that? She's like, probably the biggest actor in the world. Probably. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All right, decent. Like, I didn't have a clue. But, like, it was mental, but that's me as a person. But, obviously, Rob Ringan and speaking to the gaffer was, like, the two things that made me think, you know, actually, I think I want to do that. Like, and then I come and you have the fans, like, the way they have been with me, obviously, I had to do it on the pitch first off and I still have to keep doing it, but the way everyone's just took to me and it's made me enjoy football so much and at the minute I don't think life could be any any happier really that's yeah. brilliant and what I think what I really like about Ryan and Robin you see it in the documentary you see that they care there's so many stories that I've heard either through Ben or chatting to another player or something where they there's a personal touch not only about you so asking how you are and but but your family as well that must that must mean a lot as well because you, you mentioned earlier on and in your book your, your lad has got autism hasn't he so yeah. The club giving a shit must mean a huge amount. Oh, absolutely. I think the first time Ryan met Albie, it was after the Stockport game. I'd scored the goal, take us to Wembley, and Ryan comes on, as he does, saying hello and congratulations. Obviously, so pumped, like he gets like so into it, it's mad. And then me little boy's throwing up on the pitch. So, like, my partner's worrying, like, he's being sick on the pitch. I was like, doesn't matter, like, <laughs> worse goes on the pitch, trust yeah, me. Yeah. And um, so I run over to help him, and Ryan was speaking to people, and he just left them, come over and start helping me little boy, rubbing his back and things. And I obviously told him his name that day when he met him. And I was literally in the car on the way home, like, probably an hour and a half later, and comes up on the screen, like, text message, so reader. And it's like, oh, like, how's Albie doing? Like, there's nothing worse than a tummy bug nah. and stuff. And I was like, Jesus, like... I knew he cared, but like, he proper, he I thought at cares. that point, obviously, like, he might just care about me doing well, so he, like, he might be obviously trying to make me feel good, blah, blah. But at that point, I was like, no, what, like, he's so genuine. Like, literally, a text message, I told him my child's name once, and he actually cares how he is. Like, it went, he didn't have to text me, he was going, going home, do you know what I mean? Like, he's got his own kids to worry about, and they do, the, the club really do care. And as you've seen with, like, Kerry, she helps work with the autism sessions for the kids, and they've got a sensory room organised, and something that I'm actually quite proud to say for Wrexham as a club like that they look after the, the autistic fans or even any fans in general anyone with any disabilities they try to look after them and cater for them and I think it's something that should be um, inspired for by a lot of clubs it's a, it's a big part of the book isn't it the, all the family stuff because I think I think most people when they see a footballer they just think of the, the sports person but is that was that a big reason why you wanted to write this book in the first place? Well, at first I had an idea to write a book purely based on last season, yeah. um, which was at the start of last season. Yeah. I thought, right, I kept a lot of notes of documenting things that happened during the season from in the changing room and sort of give it like a changing room view on the season. And obviously when Penguin got in touch with me to do it, it was sort of we changed the, the style a little bit and people wanted to know more about me because it sort yeah. of come from nowhere type of thing. And that's what made the book more interesting for people rather than just purely a Wrexham based book. But family to me is everything. And obviously when I signed here and still to this day, you get idiots saying it was all about the money. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have signed if the contract was terrible, yeah. that's life. But of course. that wasn't the main reason I signed here. Like I wanted to be close to my child like, and spend the time with them. And, to have a platform that the owners have provided us to the documentary and doing well on the pitch has led to that going even bigger. It's given me a chance to raise awareness for autism. It's something that's really close to me. And I think in the book it is well documented how much my family do mean to me because if, honestly, if people said football or your family, it's family every day. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, care yeah. less. Like that's just the way I am as a person. It's family first. And 
now, as I say, with the platform to speak about autism, I'm going to use it. Like, it's not something that should be shied away from. Everyone in the world is probably connected or knows someone who's autistic, and they might not even know it. Yep. You see now, like, there's so many people who, who come out with it. Like, even Rob's came out as neurodiverse, whether yeah. it's autistic or why, I haven't asked them yet, but... It's, it's so prevalent in society. I've seen loads of research saying that one in two children from 2026 are going to have some form of autism yeah, somewhere, like, somewhere on the spectrum. And it's something that should be understood because for us, we've got to understand them. Like, I have to understand my little boy. He doesn't have to understand me. Like, we come into the world and it actually makes me think so much. We have to try and understand the world and then everyone has to sort of try and fit in. Well, no, like, I have to fit in with him. Like, he, he's, I've got to understand him, mm. and that's the way it should be. Everyone should get to understand each other, and whether you're autistic or not autistic, like, get to understand the person who you're associating with or working with or in school with, and not everybody's different anyway. Like, I might not be autistic, Ben, you might not be, but we still talk and converse, and we might have different opinions and stuff and different ways of life, but that's just everything in life. So, because you're autistic or whatever doesn't make any difference, and I think it's, it's something that I want them to sort of be proud of and celebrate. Yeah, damn right like, as well, yeah. yeah. I'm different, but like, yeah, well, that, everyone is. You might be seen as more different, but that's something to be proud of. Mm. Like, you can go on and achieve whatever you want to achieve in life, and people will see it as, oh, brilliant. Like, you've done it from being autistic now. You've done it because he's him. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Autism isn't like a barrier. It's just something that needs to be understood more, and that's probably what I spent most of my time speaking about in any public things that I do do is trying to get people to understand it more because it's so close to me and I didn't know a thing about it until it came to me with, with my child and I think going forward if people could try to understand it before that happens it would help me so much if I don't know even the tiniest bit yeah, of information yeah, yeah. about it before I'll become whereas literally now I'm still learning every day I don't profess to know everything about autism like I know everything about my child and everyone's going to be different and I've had a lot of messages through the documentary of people asking me or about different things and I'll try to help or saying like thank you very much for just raising awareness you've now given me the courage to do so and so or to, to come and tell people or to even try and have conversations with people just just through it and that's something I'm proud of like more than any footballers I want to try to help that and as I say I don't profess to know everything about autism but if I can help one parent, then that, that's good enough for me. That's what and I found interesting. That, themselves, then yeah, that could help in, someone else and so forth. In your book, you, you spoke about, obviously, before you know, knew about Albie's autism, obviously, it was a bit tricky, wasn't it? Because you, you couldn't quite get the answers, but then once you kind of got those answers, you, you started to understand yeah. it. But what, what, like I said, what I love about it in the book is that you don't see him, you just see him differently in a positive way, not... Oh, he's he's different. It's brilliant. He's different. Um, we adjust, and all those moments where you come home from football and being the, being who he is, he doesn't know that dad's on TV. I remember reading a segment in your book, and you said that that your wife had um, said, "Oh, look, dad's on TV," and he's like, "No, no, no, no not bothered. Don't don't care," kind of thing, because he's just he's just his own little person. Even isn't now, he? has he not watched any of the documentary or anything? No. Yeah. He doesn't care, care, does he? He does not care. He don't bit. care. For Dad's me, a like, dad, mate. I don't care what he does. I scored the goal against Bowling Wood and um, his granddad was watching it with him in the house. And he's like, oh, look, I'll be like, hit your dad until he, like, zoomed right in on my face. He went, just got off. Like. But then I think, obviously, I understand them. He goes on his iPad, he looks at photos, he watches videos. To him, that's just how he had a picture of my dad. Like, he doesn't understand, like, football. He doesn't care. And that's 
probably the best thing about them being autistic is I go home and obviously all the stuff that's happened in my life in the last two years, you can give a shit. But equally, it makes me go home and just forget about it all because equally, as, as good as it is at times and things, it actually doesn't matter because I'll tend to his needs and I might uh, want to go and watch clips of the next match or my last match on my phone. You just take it off me. <laughs> You're not that. That's <laughs> it. So it actually helps me. So I thought, I sound like we'll just go and play. But he is different. But that's up to me to understand him and we do that perfectly. And I want everyone in the world, even though it's a tall ask, like, but everyone in the world just have a little bit more understanding because you never know when it can come into your life. And, and pretty soon it'll be in a lot of people's lives because that's just the way it is. It was a difficult thing at first to sort of accept, not, not accept, it was to get my head around it. Like, I don't know if he's going to talk. Now he's starting to say words, not in context. Like, he'll say sentences, but like we'll say, the other day I got sent a video from school, it was actually my birthday, but they were doing a game and she says to him all like, what book does this Teddy want to read? And it was like a party book and then like, he associates the word party and said happy birthday. Oh, so then nice. he starts singing happy yeah, birthday. Yeah. So like, he can say things, but just not in context. There's not to use it to communicate yeah. But that was the difficult bit is like all the what ifs, what if, and I've sort of accepted that now. Like, what if? So what, what? Like, so it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? I don't care as long as he's happy. That's the main thing. It was just the initial shock at first of like, why isn't he progressing all the worry that you have as a parent? And I still worry every day about everything in his life. Do you know what I mean? But now it's got a lot easier because I've come to just not care. Like, yeah. I don't care. You understand it more as well, though, don't you? So you yeah, know what like, it is. Simple. I just understand him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, I used to go home and I say in the book about being so guilty that. I wouldn't go to sleep at night like without feeling guilt-ridden like that I didn't do enough with them even though I couldn't have possibly done more and I think just finally the acceptance of like do you know what you give him absolutely everything you can like I just yes he is like stop trying to yeah. force him he'll do things at his own pace and the moment we realized that my life became happier I don't think there's changed to be honest he's always been happy but my life my partner's life all just became happier and He's progressed so much for us, not worrying and not trying to force him to do things he doesn't want to do to learn because he wasn't ever going to learn it. If he, if he was getting forced, now he learns on his own accord. Well, shout out to the um, Your Space charity. Um, yeah. If you type in Your Space um, on the internet, you if you search images as well, you'll probably see a picture of a pair of football boots. Um, you've had a few pairs of football boots customised in the past, haven't we? By the way, the guy that does that, he's the one that does all the lads as well, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah. does a bloody good job on it as well, don't he? Right, uh, there was one a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was the most famous pair of football boots um, this country's ever seen. Gotta be. Gotta be. Um, you got into a little bit of flack for this one, didn't you? I suppose so. Only a little not bit. Not I really cared, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I love that. It was mad. Like, let's just say with the autism ones, it was yeah. different. It was class. They were after the Tory ones initially, which was even better because yeah. it then gave them more attention. I didn't even mean for the attention in the first place, but the autism ones were obviously for Albion. I joined up with Your Space, who do incredible work with like families who obviously have an autistic child routine. She needs supervision sometimes for, for them. and your space give them that chance Jordan half time to be able to they look after the kids and I'd give them one to one and then they go to work and as I say with the um, with the other boots it was quite mad it was obviously I was sat in the house and I was getting John White's name is to paint me um, it, yeah. some stuff on my boots I said to my partner he asked me could he I was like yeah no problem what, what should I do so she says why don't you get the Liverpool skyline and then the words of a Jamie Webster song, This Place, wrote above it. Quite touching, like, about you, you love Liverpool. And that song's actually quite true. 
very two about Liverpool. I was like, yeah, no problem. And then I was thinking on the other one, what could I do? And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I know. At the, the way the world is, at the moment, people can't pay the bills, all sorts. Like in Liverpool, it's actually, we'd actually say to each other, like to my mate, he'd walk in, he'd be dressed in something funky. I'd be like, oh, you're a bad Tory, you. Like, it, it was an, it's an insult. Yeah. So genuinely, without even thinking of any attention or anything, I was like, oh, well, that's, that, that's quite relevant at the minute. Like, fuck them. Like, the world's mental. Like, they fucked up so many things. Like, and obviously, with all the autism stuff as well, like these, the NHS is so backlogged with it and they're just, all the money's gone from it and privatisation, all sorts of stuff with the government that I just thought, you know what, that's going on my boots, I don't really care, I don't, no attention, I'm not really bothered, anyone can see it anyway, whatever. And literally the day they got dropped off, Toes says to me, oh, like, you can't wear them. Like, can I watch me? Like, I'm not bothered. He was like, no, nah, it'll be caused, like, chaos. I was like, no one really cares. Like, oh, I've got on my feet, like, we play in the National League. Like, and he was like, all right then. So then, literally, I went home, took a photo. Club ring me. Can you take that down, please? Like, it's got the club badge in the back. I was like, yeah, no problem. Didn't even think of that. That's fine. I get it. Took it down. Took another one on the couch, blah, blah. Then that night, obviously, a load of people are like, oh, these are class or whatever. I went to sleep and... Uh, Woke up the next day, sat on the couch and turned the telly on, Sky Sports News, bang. Was Paul it Mullen. really? Skipped <laughs> on to BBC was. to go and watch the breakfast show, bang, Paul Mullen. <laughs> Every single station, I was like, oh my God. Literally picked my phone up, I'd missed so many missed calls, texts, all sorts. Went on Twitter, seen the club statement, which obviously it was nothing to do with them. Like They, they, they yeah. might have had to release yeah. that. It was nothing to do with the club, it's just my opinion. Like nothing, nothing to do with them whatsoever. Literally got in the car, turned the radio on on the next station, on the, turned it off, walked in the shop to get some milk to go and make me a scrambled eggs with. Walk in, it's on the radio in the shop. It's the same thing, I'd like obviously a different station, but I was like, fuck's sake, like people do actually give a shit to you. Yeah. Like this is mental and that was the first time I actually thought, do you know what? Like maybe people do actually give a shit. This is a bit different say. this, yeah. Like, I didn't expect any of this, like, but maybe I'll just have to get used to it but I don't think I've said like I've stamped every single bit of it did, and I, did you ever I, wear them boots by the way I'd, no I'd love to wear them but if I wore them I'd get banned have you still got them at home yeah Oof. still got them in the house save them for a rainy day what I liked about it though Paul, I'll save is... them until they're not needed anymore probably in about a year's time and they go anyway <laughs> but what I liked about it is that and it's, it's obviously testament of who you are is that at no point quite rightly, did you say, oh, I'm sorry about that. It was only the element of the club badge, which you go, fair enough, I yeah, understand that. Yeah, that. Yeah, sorry yeah, for yeah. in front of that, because yeah. it has nothing to do yeah. with the yeah. Yeah. To be honest, the world shouldn't be stupid enough to look at the photo and think, oh, that's Rex, Rex. Yes. They, yes. they agree with them. It's not it's come off my social media, sure. not theirs. Like, But again, I had to take that down because it's nothing to do with the club whatsoever. But like from my point of view, I really care. Like, it's my opinion, deal with it. Like, yeah. I haven't upset anyone apart from them. But that's always going to be the way, you know, everyone's yeah. going to have the beliefs and that's just the way I am as a person. And to be honest, I don't regret any bit of it. And I think even at the time, I was, people might say, oh, you did know for the attention. Well, I didn't because at the time of me posting them, Wrexham and they still have got a, a Tory MP, like voted obviously from years ago before she fucked it up as well. <laughs> but I didn't know that. If I did know that, then do you think I would have thought, oh, John, you know what, actually Wrexham fans might disagree with me? Yeah. No, I just... Done it, but obviously they didn't disagree with me. They fully, fully backed me. I walked out to warm up that night. We had a game against Halifax in the whole stadium. Just think, start singing a song Did to them really? yeah, as soon as it come out. So that was quite mad. They still but, sing um, it now, by the way. Politics is like a very, <laughs> well, like a fine line in it. Like the loads of people 
get involved and things. I didn't even do it to get involved. And even to this day, I still don't tweet about politics and stuff. I don't get involved. It weren't a political statement of such. It was literally just a Mate, politics scouse. is as bad as football, mate. If, you, it's if it's an opinion-based something, like, yeah. But if yeah. I wore them boots, like I was going to get banned for games. If it was a fine, I'd have swallowed yeah. them. And yeah, go on then. I just keep wearing them. Just for the sake of it. But... I weren't gonna like You'd have been like Michael Jordan back in the day where he used to wear colours. You remember where he used Not to wear the colour Jordan? Like, that's that's just what you're like. You're the non-league Jordan is what you are, right? It would have been mental. But obviously getting banned, I was like, it's not even worth it. I didn't even have to. It's all over the place. But there's, like, there's football politics as well, enough, as well, Rishi, Rishi Sunak is his name. Yeah. The PM, he's seen them anyway. Has he? Yeah. I think um, Ryan asked him a question about them. No. Did he? Yeah, he'd seen them. Which was, uh, of course, he's seen it. Uh, what's the future hold for Paul Mullen then? Um, what do you want to do with Wrexham? Um, not a fortune uh, teller, but what do you want? Where can you see this club going? Genuinely, I don't, I don't know. The sky is the limit for yeah. him. Obviously, you've been here and you've seen it. The owners are hungry for success, but have sold all the lads. And we actually want to give these supporters who've had so many years of hardship. We actually want to give them that moment last year again and again, and yeah. make them happy. You know this story that we've sort of wrote at the minute feels like it's nowhere near finished like we want to enjoy playing us for as long as we can and yeah, while right. all the excitement's about it's even more so and to keep that excitement there you have to keep doing well and we're so hungry to to keep doing well that's why we work hard every single day but the one thing i'm most proud about about everything that's gone on is the fact that we haven't let it detract from our football all this documentary or me going to GQ Awards last week, although I was you look wasn't nice, very, mate. although I wasn't very good on Saturday. It wasn't because of that. You <laughs> look lovely. Like, I don't let it affect us. We've we've just literally rolled our sleeves and we are footballers first and foremost. We've got a job to do. And to be honest, we don't really speak about the documentary. No, like, you don't. We, it doesn't even get mentioned because that's not us. Like that might be getting sent out about us when we did the interviews and things. It's all real. But we don't ever speak or talk about it. We're just ourselves. And I'd say that's probably what I'm most proud about. The gaffer just keeping everyone. Literally, this is football. This yeah. is what we do. Anything else doesn't really matter. Like, that's the most important thing. And I think for us, we've got to keep that going. And as a club, obviously, Ryan and Rob have said the aim for the Premier League, which is a dream. Everyone Oof. has a dream. But who knows, in 20 years' time, 10 years' time, we've seen that Lutner can be done. You know, it can take time, but... They've obviously got the resources and the belief that they could do as owners and us as players, you know, first and foremost, we want to try and get out of League Two. We know it's going to be difficult. We knew that coming into the league, it was going to be really difficult. And with the documentary and things being added pressure, it brings other teams maybe wanting to beat you that extra little percent, which yeah. then raises the game a little bit more. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when you go away from home, have you noticed the opposition and then also the opposition fans? Because I've seen a little video from the weekend um, and the Accrington fan, uh, Stanley fans are going crazy, and then even the Accrington Stanley uh, players are all dancing around like they've just won a like a, a, a Champions League game or something. Yeah, well, obviously you notice when teams celebrating things like that, and it's yeah. something then they injured a little bit. But equally, I think that's probably a sign of respect to us, is that it means that much for them to win that one game. You know, if it was the end of the season and and they got promoted, then fair play and. I think that's just the way it's come. Like, obviously, I can't speak whether they do think that. Whether pe I can't say whether people do want to win more just because it doesn't. Pretty sure they want to win every single week, but maybe it might mean a little bit more to them. And that for us was something we've dealt with for two years. Like, it's and as I say, it's we haven't got carried away, and people might look at it all and go, "Oh, these are big time because we've got Hollywood owners." Like, that's the last thing we are, and like we've got to make sure that every time we go on a football pitch, the teams walk off and they go, "No, they're not." Like. 
these work the absolute yes. balls off run as hard as they can and give absolutely everything and all that doesn't matter to them really because that's what's got us the success and as you say teams celebrating like like they've won something like it means so much to them I think that's a credit to us but equally we've got to make sure that doesn't happen too many Damn times right and you don't well. get to celebrate that much and as I say Saturday acting some of the better team and we got beaten certainly that happens in games and you know now we've got to go into next week and give it our best again like and Literally, I don't think anything changed in that game. You obviously just had bad days at the office. I've hit the crossbar twice, one off a penalty, which on another day both might go in, or another day they might not. It's just one of those things. I think for us, we've just got to literally concentrate on ourselves and not get too worried. Obviously, we've seen a lot of things of Hackington fans and players celebrating and things, but fair play to them. They won the game. You know, enjoy it however way you want, and it's up to us to make sure it doesn't happen too often. And it's going to. The league's difficult. There's so many teams in the league, and who can all do well and who've all got aspirations of getting promoted, not just us. us. The media says at the beginning, us, not County, should be favourites for the league. Football doesn't work like that. Everyone beats each other in this league, but it's our job as players to make sure that doesn't happen too often to us, what happened Saturday. But we know it's going to be difficult. and It's a challenge that you know we've got promoted for a reason. It's one we want to relish and try and take part in as best we can and come the end of the season, see where we are. You know, it's... Moles, you're a powerful a talker, down. mate. Honestly, <laughs> incredible. Uh, can I, I, we're, we're getting towards the end now, and this has been absolutely fantastic. Honestly, thank you so much, Paul. Just a reminder that we are here for uh, the launch of Paul's book, My Wrexham Story. Uh, we're going to put a link in the description down below. We're also going to put a link to the Your Space uh, charity as well below it. And we're going to do a signed book, Ben, as well. Oh, so be if nice. you go to the cyclinggk.com website, yep. there'll be a landing page there where you can enter to win a signed Paul Mullen book. Beautiful. Um, just quickly before we go, I want to take you back to last season again. Um, the FA Cup run. Just give me your, give me how special that was for you as an individual for, for the team of, of doing so well in that competition. I think individually it was something that you'd never set out as playing down the whole leagues to yeah. become the FA Cup top scorer. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that you... Um, think's probably going to be possible when you see the players who get to play in it and obviously most of the time they get to the final yeah. or at least semi-final so they play probably the same month. How many goals did you score in it? Nine I think it was. Four. Okay. Eight or nine anyway. Yeah, yeah I think that's right anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah for me it was phenomenal I think I scored in every single round which was mental I think it's just something I don't even know if it's a record I scored in the last the first round this year as well yeah. which I think is seven games consecutively consecutively so yeah, yeah I think someone mentioned I think my mate texted me to the day Jay actually and said like I think it's a record like which is mental but that, that FA Cup run was actually special like, and as you've seen the documentary it makes you realise like the FA Cup is actually really important Massive to Wrexham fans yeah like the, the times they've had in the past obviously the big cup upsets they've yeah. had like yeah, and us going into them games like we were fired up for them and at the time people were saying oh like it was disrespectful and things like I think Ollie said before Coventry they, they said like oh you've drew Coventry he was like yeah Coventry like. but I think they wanted them to be more up about it like well a game's a game like we yeah. don't give it our best like obviously they're meant to be a better team than us obviously they are they play a lot higher but we're going to go and give it our best see what happens type of thing and then I think even with the Sheffield United game like I think after it, obviously, Billy Sharp said, like, we thought we'd won and stuff. I think he was more relating to us celebrating, like, Son, which was, like, four months before the game we played against them. It was not to even do with them. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that come about because um, Elliot's mate plays at Wales and uh, Ben Davis is okay. at Wales. Yeah, yeah. So, Son was at the World Cup. So, 
Ben Davis said Son loved watching the Wrexham documentary. Yeah. So asked if we'd send them a photo or a video. Good luck message for the World Cup. Obviously, we don't know if he's taking the piss or what. I've never heard nothing from Son. But you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Obviously, then we scored that the next game. So we're all stood there do that. This is like four months, three months before we even play Sheffield United. So I think when the club tweeted that, that was what he got upset about. But for us, even going into that game, we didn't expect to win the game. Yeah. We weren't disrespectful, but I'm not going to go on a football pitch and think, oh, he's better than me. No chance. Like, I'm going to go and give me best. Come the end of the game, if you're best at me, I'm going, yeah, good player, yeah. But in that time, it's 11 v 11. It doesn't matter who who they are, like what the name is on the back of the top. Like We're going to go and give it our best. And obviously, in the first game, we should have won. We didn't. Yeah. They took us to a replay. And obviously, in the second game, we gave it a great go. We got to the 90th minute, one all. And they scored late on, which obviously... To play a team who got promoted to the Premier League and done phenomenal all season. I think they battered most teams in the Championship. And to give them two hard games like we did was actually phenomenal performances from us. But it was something we went into the games not expecting to win, but expecting to give a good, good account of ourselves and think, why not? You never know. That's what the FA Cup's yeah, for. It's what it's all about. And it? we can cause one. Yeah. Like, why can't we? We have belief that we could do well. Like, we didn't know we were going to win or say, oh, we're going to win. I thought, well, we give it a good go, though. Like, let's see what happens, type of thing. And then. Obviously, after the game, the way he celebrated more than anything was like, you know what? We've run them really close yeah. there, and that's probably why. It's probably, obviously, he's been a phenomenal player and played in the Premier League a lot higher than I'll ever play, probably. But to see what it meant to him to beat us that day was like, you know what? We've really run them close. Yeah, and, you, you know, know it's it's like that's, relief, that is. that's, that's relief. relief yeah. inside. Yeah. To go, whoa, thank God that wasn't the upset because that would have been all over the place. And I think that that was a good, that's what I took from it, nothing else. It was more just like, you know what? He's actually that fired up for yeah, that game yeah, yeah. That, that's credit to us like we, we put them in that position to make it mean that much to them and as usual mate the media will blow up anything they can blow Absolutely. up um, we, we, like I said we know how it is yeah okay so Paul you're kind of eight games to go last season Mr Foster rolls in the door um, what was the chat like amongst the lads was it kind of like oh there's a rumour Ben's come in or was it he turned up on the day how did it go down can't actually remember how we found out. I think it was just on the day he was coming in. I remember saying at the time, I'm not sure. I was like, he's been out the game for a year, obviously unbelievable goalkeeper, probably the best I'd ever I'd ever play with, come to. I was like, after being out the game for so long, coming into this, like, this is crunch time, we've worked yeah, our bollocks yeah. off for this. I was like, I'm not sure like whether this is going to be a good move or a bad move. Obviously no one does at the time. Yeah. I was like, but oh, Jesus, like the he's coming in here and like I don't know whether he felt it but for me I was like some pressure to put on someone and I think even at that moment being a Premier League goalkeeper played for England all sorts even coming in I don't think at that time he would have probably knew the pressure he'd have then felt playing them games for us because I think once he come in and realised what it meant to us I reckon he probably went oh shit I'm not sure I'm <laughs> ready for this <laughs> yes. I, I genuinely it. don't because I think he probably come in thinking oh right decent going to play obviously love Wrexham been here before like not going to be too bad in that and I think once he come in and seeing what it meant to us and obviously all the fans at this club I think that's he probably sat there and went oh shit I'm not sure yeah <laughs> and obviously he come in and got us over the line especially with that not County shave and I think then if they paid dividends didn't it but I think initially I was genuinely at first like sceptical I was like oh like mate it's hard work playing in that national league I'm going to have to put all, league, all our hard work here on a goalkeeper who's been out for eight nine yeah, months yeah I know yeah and then luckily he comes in and says to Penn I'm like oh, 
Fair enough. Fair dues. It was worth it in the end. But I, I agree with you, mate. I didn't realise until I came through the door. And then, like, the first couple of games were, were a doddle. We didn't have a, much to do. I think we've won 3 0, 4 0. Um, but we got to see one game, the Halifax game, which gets brushed over in the documentary. I don't mention it. Nobody talks. I had an absolute stinker. And I remember thinking, Oh, we've just lost. We're really close to getting promoted. If this doesn't uh, go the way, that was the first one goes in as near as the like tell us to get yeah. up and he's like shouting at someone. I'm thinking you're just shouting. To us. Yeah, just exactly what I'm doing. Deflected. And then the next one goes across him, and you can actually see it on the video. He goes to dive, but the ground just comes up, and he doesn't dive. He just falls to the floor. And I look back now and laughing at that. The time I'm looking, thinking. Why hasn't he died? Why hasn't he died? Why hasn't he moved his feet? But then obviously you look back and the garage just come up and he just flops to the floor and goes in. You're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, but then he made, he made the saves then against Barner and gets us out of there with a the one all, which then becomes a very important point because it means you only have to win. Yeah. No, 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 Barner was. No, no, Barner, no, no, by the way. Yeah. Don't no, do no, me no, out of a clean sheet. Do you know how I knew he was nervous? Because Ben's a pretty cool guy, right? You know, pretty <laughs> takes everything in stride. Day before he was starting training, Went round to his house and he's got me getting the ball launcher out of his garage. Just put a few in and just just test my hands out. We're in his back garden, like we're 10 years <laughs> old. Did you not put gloves on before that? For no the chance, year? mate. I hadn't put them on for a year, genuinely. Not on for a year. So, yeah, I was absolutely bricking it, mate. And like I say, when I came in and saw how much it meant to you all and how hard you'd worked over, what, 38 games or whatever yeah. it was, I was like, oh, yeah. You I remember better. saying to him, I think it was the first or second day, I was like, you're going to stay, you know? He was like, what? I was like, you won't want to, but you're going to get sucked into wanting to sign yeah, you. Yeah, class. And genuinely, the day like when we were on the pitch and I was like signing that again, but he was like, I think I'm going to. I was like, I told you, I knew yeah. it was coming. <laughs> the lads, mate, it's what they do to you. They're such good lads, honestly. Absolutely epitomised by the Vegas trip as well, wasn't it? The Vegas oh. trip. Like We'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen anything like that. The lads were just sort of eyes wide open. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was mental, wasn't it? It was more embarrassing at first. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was so yeah. over the top. Yeah. Like, for us, like, I was like, oh, like, this, it's not really me. Like, looks a bit strange, but then obviously, the more drinks you have, the more you uh, get into your groove and into your stride. Singing and your own song the in the night with the flags yourself. <laughs> Do you remember, bro, the first, so the first night we went to Hakkasan to the restaurant and then Hakkasan to the nightclub. And as we've walked in, do you remember the like the big like screen? What's it called? Like a cinema screen? Oh, like an Omnia with um, Steve Aoki. Yeah, they had the videos of our goals playing. No, no, no. Paul Mullins goals. They had the videos. It was, it was it mental. Was, it's like they had gone on the YouTube compilation of Paul Mullins' best goals season 2022, 23. Seriously, it was. Right? They were playing our fans singing. <laughs> That's it. They were Steve play- Aoki's on the decks. <laughs> He's playing our fans singing. <laughs> so like to sing my song, Ryan Barner, then uh, Foster, just literally. Just he's just rattling the songs off, and we're stood there like, "What's wow. going on here?" Like it was mental looking up, seeing goals getting scored on the thing. I was like, "This is crazy!" Like we're in the middle of Vegas, and you think you go there to party, and no one knows. Everyone knows knows exactly what you're doing because the documentary's so being treated big, like royalty, weren't we? Some trip, like even now, like every week, like I'll say to the lads, someone will mention it and be like, "That's just added motivation." Yeah, we'll do it again this year, lads. Do it, get just promoted again. Get promoted again. The line that the owners would be is able that, to provide that, it for us again. Is that kind of agreed? No, I don't think so. I think um, I'm sure they wouldn't mind. We'll try to win random, but you never know. We have to do the business first. It's not something you ever speak about. You no. come mid February, really March, if you're up yeah, there, you, you can't um, ever speak about stuff like that because you get you know, too carried away, don't you? In your face, like yeah. and. For us, as I say, it's all about hard work. And if it does come to him, pretty sure if we ask, that it might not be a problem. But 
it would be incredible to experience that even if it was just for 10 minutes more like, yeah just, and it, and it if was could genuinely go back for 10 minutes more now oh, it, a it, on it, it uh, was all expenses paid minutes. wasn't it i mean all expenses paid you did not have to put your hand in a pocket in your pocket for a, a second well, we went well what about your omelet <laughs> yeah we went for breakfast the first yeah. morning yeah. Put, i put it in there and we um <laughs> I go down the restaurant for breakfast and order an omelette. It was like fifty dollars $50 or so something for an omelette. Yeah. I was raging. <laughs> I was like, "What's going on here?" So I texted the group. I can't believe I just paid fifty quid for an omelette. <laughs> and just sure enough, the lads who were sorting the whole trip out just replied two minutes later. It wasn't even why I'd done it, but they literally replied two minutes later. Sorry, lads, breakfast to serve at the cabanas tomorrow. Yeah. Next day, there's muffins, all sorts, and I was like, "Geez, I didn't even mean that." I was yeah. literally just saying, "It's a joke." This hotel, fifty quid for an omelette. But we ended up getting them for nothing the next day. I was buzzing. That's how good it was. Honestly. So yeah, Vegas trip, incredible. And I hope you get to visit a second time at the end of the season, mate, when the mighty Wrexham get promoted up to League One. Um, Paul Mullen, thank you so much. Once again, uh, the book is out now, My Wrexham Story by Paul Mullen. It's in the link in the description down below. And it's phenomenal. And it is phenomenal. Uh, so much more stuff in there as well. So much more nitty gritty. Mulls, thank you so much, mate. Thank nice you. One, lads. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. Just say it. <laughs> Thanks everybody for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Fozcast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Fozcast. Fozcast.